together. Thanks for listening to the KC Morning Show. TLC just announced a new reality dating show called Milf Manor. No. It features eight women, eight younger men, and one shocking twist. Yeah, I think the shocking twist is that TLC used to stand for the Learning Channel. <laughs> Producers released a trailer for a new reality series called Milf Manor. Milf Manor? You mean William Sonoma? Avatar, The Way of Water, is out. It is by far the most expensive movie ever made. They say Avatar has to make $2 billion just to break even. Even Elon Musk was like, you guys overpaid for this. <laughs> Goldman Sachs is reportedly considering cutting bonuses this year for investment bankers. As for how they're cutting it, with baking powder. All right. <laughs> This right here, it's your KC Ciao, baby. A happy hump day, baby. To the KC morning hoes on the show today, we catch up with Ryan Sorrell and the Kansas City Defender, taking a look back at 2022 with the KC Defender. Also, they have their Christmas Eve grocery buyout. It's absolutely incredible. They've been doing these buyouts for a little bit now. I'll let Ryan explain all of that to you here in just a matter of moments. I'm so happy that we have this voice in Kansas City. Ryan and company, his team, they do incredible work and I'm so happy that they're getting the recognition that they so rightfully deserve. So yes, on the show today, we are going to absolutely be gassing up the KC Defender. Rate, review, subscribe, do that thing you do. Kansas City, back in your feeds tomorrow. We'll see you in the morning. Bye. Back by necessity on your KC Morning Show. He is the man behind the team that is the Kansas City Defender. Ryan Sorrell back on your Kansas City Morning Show. Happy holidays, my brother. How you doing? Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be on here. I'm doing good. How are you? Man, we are doing well. And so we want to absolutely talk about, we want to highlight, we want to plug this Christmas Eve grocery buyout that you all have going on. I cannot wait to hear more about this. But you know what? In a year of wins, and I'm someone who believes that wins generate more wins, can you tell these folks about all the winning that you have been doing in spite of all the losing that folks want out of y'all? You don't give them them L's. In fact, you keep giving our story. You're telling them our voice, man. And so I thank you for the service tell these folks what you've been doing uh, well first off i just i'm always very very honored to come on to your show because from the very beginning before anybody was really you know paying attention to what kind of work we were doing in the community before especially a lot of the you know journalists in the city a lot of the so-called establishment in the city before a lot of people were paying attention and really giving us credit or wanting to work with us or giving us shout outs or acknowledging the work that we were doing in the community you definitely were one of the very first people 
who, you know, looked out for us and uplifted our work that we were doing. And so I'm always very, very, very appreciative of that. I also want to mention because one of the biggest stories that we worked on, arguably the most impactful story that we worked on this year was the one around the missing black woman. And I remember specifically when we first started talking about that story, when we first published that story in mid-September, that I went onto your show and came onto your show here, it was the day after a lot of the news outlets said that we were publishing fake news, that we were publishing false information, that we were spreading lies, that we were lying to the community. And you reached out to me and you asked me if I wanted to come onto your show. And so to me, that meant an incredible amount. And this year has been an incredible year for us. We've been active as an organization for about a year and a half now because we launched in July of 2021. Over this past year, we won a national award from the local online independent news publishers. It was a national award called the Community Engagement Award for the work that we've been doing in the community, which we can definitely talk a little bit more about the grocery buyouts. But even beyond that, this summer, we held a a basketball tournament where we had over 200 young black men come play basketball. We've held poetry slams. We've been really doing all types of work in the community. Even more recently, we actually started doing political educations with people in the community. And we have just a lot of different black people up to the age of upwards of 60 years old to high schoolers in the very same political education classes. And we're coming and we're talking about Angela Davis's work. We're talking about black feminism. We're talking about revolutionaries. We're talking about anti-capitalism and all types of very important ideas to the black community and black history. We even talk about hip hop, some very interesting topics. And that's really what I'm most looking forward to in the upcoming year. And uh, again, you know, before we get into the conversation, I just want to thank you again so much for how open you have been and, and uplifting you have been of our organization and our work. Well, man, I appreciate you. I love you. And, you know, I had a pre-planned follow up, but I want to piggyback off of what you just said. You're learning our folks up. Knowledge is power. And there's power in the people, especially Kansas City people, right? As you're hearing our stories and you're sharing what they're saying and realizing the struggle and there is, you know, solidarity in our collective struggle. How do we also keep hope alive so that we also realize that there is destination in this journey? You know, we don't want to lose people. Like, I know there's that argument against electoral politics, right? But like... As we are right now, that's how they tally the wins and losses, you know? So how do we make sure we don't lose folks? Like, what are you saying as you hear the responses of our folks on the ground that not only educates them, but also encourages them to stay in this process? How do we do that in parallel? Because it's all one big project that we're doing together. That's one of my favorite questions to talk about, because I think a lot of people, even myself, struggle, honestly, with facing and witnessing the horrors and the suffering that takes place in our community across our city. I think that that's just a reality, especially in the type of work that we do as well. And I think at the same time, we have to be able to balance that with remaining optimistic and even hopeful. Radical hope is something that a lot of us practice as well. And I I think that one of the ways that we can do that is by celebrating the, the wins, really. And I think that you being someone who's very familiar with an organization like KC Tenants, they just won $50 million for housing. And so that's an enormous, massive win that, that we should be able to celebrate. That's something that we can look at. We can see people in across our city are coming together to organize and then they're actually winning. 
And so there are numerous instances of this. It's not just KZ Tennis. There's also organizations like Operation Liberation who are pulling together mutual aid funds to build black people out of jail. You also have Real Justice Network, who is also organizing political educations, who's creating doula networks and organizations like that. And so um, I think we have to celebrate these wins. Number one is what I would say. And we have to uplift that work. Again, that's why black news and black media is so necessary, because oftentimes in white news outlets and white media, they focus on crime. They focus on how many people are getting shot in Kansas City every single week. They focus on all the negative things that are happening. But, you know, it's, it's a lot more rare to see black you know, people being uplifted and positive black images. And that's why the black media has been so significant throughout American history, because we provide the positive images and the positive imagery that you won't find in a lot of these other news outlets. And so that's what we also believe our responsibility is. That's why we do things like Black Student of the Month, where we highlight a black student who might be on the debate team. They might be an athlete. They might be in the symphony orchestra. They might be an activist. They can be doing anything. But as long as they're, you know, recognizing that they are, you know, trying to do things to the betterment of the black community, then really any of them are eligible to be the black student of the month. We think that it's really celebrating and uplifting black people. We think that it's looking at the wins that we have when we come together and organize our own existence really as a radical black news outlet is something that makes me hopeful. It makes me optimistic because existing in and of itself doing what we are doing is very, very difficult, honestly. And uh, without the support of the numerous people that I have personally had in the community to start up this organization, it really would have been impossible, literally. And so our mere existence a year and a half after we have launched and being confident and knowing without a doubt that we are going to remain existent five years from now and that we have a vision and that we are going to keep growing and expanding and building alongside people in our community. Having that vision is something that keeps me optimistic as well. It's the difference, but it's the it's the everything. And it's the distinction that makes you different than the other outlets is that black joy is beautiful, not a commodity. And you get that because it's who you are. Any other stories before we get to the grocery buyout? We talked about that big story that you all broke and were proven to be right about the black women that were abducted. What other stories was it that you're really proud to say that the Kansas City Defender's name is on the byline? Really, I'm honestly proud of all of our stories. I think some of our stories got more national acclaim than others. But really, there are stories that a lot of stories that people don't even know about that are very meaningful to me, which one of them, for instance, with the Olathe West student, the black student Jalen Elmore, who was framed by the Olathe Police Department. They called him a school shooter when, in fact, he was not a school shooter in any way that the word has ever been used in the public or in the media and he was called a school shooter his face was plastered across the media outlets across the nation quite literally across the entire nation and national news outlets his face was plastered and he was called a school shooter and directly after that happened we interviewed all of his friends interviewed his sister we interviewed anybody that knew him 
And everybody said that it made no sense that he would have shot up the school in the way that the Oleta police were saying that he did. And come to find out, while we were, you know, remaining skeptical the days after that incident occurred, we also published on YouTube a five-minute investigative video piece, which investigated and examined all of the facts around the case in which we questioned why would he do something like this, given everybody that knows him says that he didn't do this thing. And come to find out months later that it actually was not him that shot the assistant principal, like Olathe police initially said that he did. It was, in fact, the school resource officer who shot the assistant principal. And this was proven in the courtroom. And despite that fact, he is currently still facing attempted capital murder. And so this is something that's very like real right now that he is literally still in jail where he could potentially face the rest of his life in prison. And we also built a relationship with his family and his sister. She was incredibly grateful because we were the only ones that were willing to actually speak up on his family's behalf. Because when you're talking about a situation with a school shooter, a situation where people do not want to be skeptical at all in that type of scenario, because everybody has high emotions and we were unafraid and unapologetic about looking into the situation and being willing to say the facts are not adding up to what the police are saying is what happened. Counter that. What was the narrative that these folks heard on all the TV stations and all the radio stations? What was it that they heard instead? Was number one, they were calling it a school shooting and they were also calling him a school shooter. And of course, whenever you hear the word school shooter, we know what that conjures up in people's minds and imaginations is incredibly troubled. Usually a white student, nine times, 99% of the time, it's a white student who brings a weapon to school, usually a gun, usually an automatic gun, but sometimes not automatic. And they have people that they intentionally want to kill is what typically takes place. And, and they enact that out and they pull the weapon out in class or in the hallway and they go after people who they want to target. And sometimes it's indiscriminate. And in this situation, it was completely different. It was a black student who we learned through all of his friends, who we learned through his family, came from just a very rough background. He was not even from the Aletha district. He recently moved there. And just from his background, for his own personal safety, he carried a weapon with him at all times, which he was actually a legal gun owner in the state of Kansas. So he was actually allowed to have the weapon on him. Of course, he should have never had the weapon on school grounds, but he ended up having it in his backpack that day and somebody told. And so the principal called him out of class and called him into the office. So he peacefully goes to the office. He gets into the office. And the principal asks him to remove the weapon from his backpack, to which he refuses to. So they call the school resource officer into the office. And the school resource officer, to our knowledge, escalated the situation to the point where gunshots were fired. And we don't know who fired the gunshots first. But at this point, what we do know is that Jalen was the only one who ended up in critical condition. He was getting ready to die basically for about two, two months Whereas the police officer and the school assistant principal said that they got shot, but both of them were released from the hospital within an hour, hour and a half or two hours. There is even questions on whether they ever got shot to begin with. Again, we also know that Jalen was the only one that had critical injuries and they also won't say who shot first. And then it was also recently proven, as I mentioned, it's been proven in court now that Jalen was not the one who shot the assistant principal. And on top of that, which again, to go back to your question, what was the white news outlets printing? They were printing what the official police report was, which was that you had a school shooter and that the school shooter Jalen shot the assistant principal and that he had a vendetta against the assistant principal and that he also shot the school resource officer 
We questioned that narrative from the very beginning. Again, it turned out that from the bullet shells that Jalen did not shoot the assistant principal and it was the school resource officer who shot the assistant principal. And to add on to the skepticism around this, to why people are rightfully skeptical about this entire situation, because it also came out in the official court documents that the police are now saying that Jalen's bullet just so happened to hit the school resource officer's body camera. And so now there's no more footage of the entire situation. So we can't see who shot first in the situation. And so all of these facts put, put together, in addition to him having absolutely no motive, his sister said she was had just talked to him and he said he was very much looking forward to graduation. We put all of these facts together. Um, that's how we came out with the story that we published and the side that we published and the facts that we published, as opposed to the white news outlets who, again, were basically stenographers for the police department who did not question the official narrative whatsoever and who basically just published exactly what was in the so-called official police report. And I think just another very quick example of stories that I'm proud of is just a kind of a conceptual one. And it's, it's the ones that I mentioned, but I think Black Student of the Month is something that I'm very, very proud of, of the work that we're doing in that regard because it gives Black students something to strive to it lets them know that you don't have to be an athlete, you don't have to be a singer or something to to be recognized in our city as a great black student. Again, you can be somebody who does debate, doing the drum line. You can be doing these things that oftentimes aren't very, you know, widely and publicly recognized, at least in the black community. And we are uplifting these students. And so they see other black students who are being recognized for these things. And they know that they could also be recognized for doing that. And that's just something that I wish that I had whenever I was younger and in middle school or high school. So that's also something that I think myself and our team is also very proud of. All right, Ryan, let's talk about this. The Christmas Eve grocery buyout. Tell us all the details. Tell us how we got here. This is amazing. It's beautiful. It's a buyout. Break it down. Uh, definitely. So these, this is just something that we have been doing starting in October called them grocery buyouts where we raise money. Originally, it was just from people in the community, but now we're actually starting to get funding and, and receive large gifts from churches. We received one from Grace and Holy Trinity Cathedral. We also received a gift from the Urban League of Kansas City just recently. But when we first started, it was just from people on social media. We would just announced that we were doing a grocery buyout and people across social media would donate to our cash app and Venmo. Start again in October and we raised $500 for the first time. We'll just go to a black grocery store and we'll just stand at the cash register and give cash directly to black people while they're paying for their groceries. And so the first one we did was $500. The next one we did in November, we were able to triple that and do $1,500 for our last grocery buyout of the year which is on Christmas Eve. And that one, we are hoping to do a minimum of $2,500. And so really five times what we had initially done and we're going to be doing it at the Walmart on 40 Highway. Always do it in black neighborhoods. Can you explain just the historical significance of what you're doing and also just the significance of, of mutual aid in general, just how important it is, the idea of just folks getting together to help take care of each other with goods and services, but also can you kind of explain the historical significance of that, especially when it comes to, you know, black media and, you know, I'm thinking of like, you know, the Chicago Defender 
of which you know we got the name from you know so this is all rooted in that black cultural spirit you know we've got a progressive playbook and it comes from our heroes of the past like some of your heroes ryan and what i'm saying is i'm not guaranteed it's going to be the same in fact i'm hoping it's not the same outcomes as what our heroes went through i want to use what they did and make what we got now even better and that's what you're doing and that's why this is so great well, thank you. First off, and just to kind of go back to what you were mentioning in terms of the inspiration for it and why we do it. I'm a student of Black media history and something when we very first started, I continuously go back to reading the biography of the Chicago Defender. I probably either read it or listened to it on the audiobook at least like five times or something now. And something that stuck with me ever since I originally listened to it or read it was that the black press was actually historically was the second most important institution in the black community behind the black church. And that was also because they had their actual buildings were in the community. They were community centers. They were very active in the community. They gave people jobs. They were hosting community events. It was an actual staple in the community. So it wasn't some objective disattached apart from the community in the way that we have been taught oftentimes in journalism school that the media and journalism is supposed to be, it was like very actively involved and actively engaged in community building. And so that's why we do things not only like the grocery buyout and mutual aid, which is very important to us and it's not charity because we also see it as an opportunity to build power with black people in the community. Oftentimes people who we talk with at the grocery buyouts end up wanting to join our organization or they want to come to a political education. And so it's an actual way of not only just showing love to people in the community, of building power directly with people in the community, but it's also opportunity for us to connect with people and for them to get involved with our organization as well. So uh, I think that, again, historically, mutual aid has been very important. And I'm also very inspired by what the Black Panther Party did. And so looking at the Chicago Defender, the Black press in general, the Kansas City Call was also very influential, you know, historically here in Kansas City. So even beyond just the Chicago Defender, there were, you know, numerous Black news outlets across the country that saw this type of community building as essential. And I think over time that that has, you know, gotten lost on a lot of our Black news outlets, I think partially for economic reasons, but probably largely because of things like COINTELPRO, where they were actually targeted by the government. We want to return to that foundation of what the Black news and Black press, the radical Black press specifically started with. And that's why it's important to us to not only, we're a news outlet, you know, we see ourselves as that's just something that we do, but we really see ourselves as a community organization first and foremost. And if you're in your car right now thinking, what's what's he talking about? The whole targeting of the black press? Surely he can't be. No, no, no. We're going we gonna to have Ryan back on the show because, yeah, I cannot wait for you to tell these folks all about that. Ryan Sorrell with the Kansas City Defender. Before I let you go in 2023, what are we going to be reading about? What are all the wins we're going to be reading about when it comes to the Kansas City Defender? I think people should just stay tapped in. Again, we have to talk about everything. We have to be a very wholesome because... Uh, the black community is not a monolith and the black community we have negative things that happen in our community we're also to me one of the most creative people in the history of the human species and we have been able to overcome all types of suffering that's what we also document in our stories the movements that are taking place across our city so i would tell people to continue tapping in so that they can 
know how to get involved in our city. There's positive movements happening every single day and every single week. Talk about the movements that are taking place. And we also, again, we uplift students. As that's one of our main beats that we cover is student activism. And so that's something that we're going to continue to expand. We're also going to expand climate coverage and climate solutions as well, climate justice. And we really are going to continue, especially expanding our political educations and our community engagement work and community building work. So I think all of those are things that we have been accelerating and the last few months of this year and that we have really been growing very quickly over these past few months. And so I think people can definitely look forward to more of that taking place next year, both on the side of what we publish and the stories that we're talking about, um, as well as the actual community involvement that we're organizing as well. And this is a great time to get plugged in, my friends, because you want to read what's being written in the Kansas City Defender. You want to see those videos. You want to hear the audio. Get used to these personalities because they are our folks. They're our people. And we have some issues that are going to be worth covering in 23. A city council race. We got a mayoral race. We didn't even talk downtown baseball, Ryan Sorrell. I mean, come on. We got the NFL draft, the new KCI. These issues need covering from an independent black perspective. It's a Kansas City voice. It's our voice. And in this special moment in Kansas City, God, I'm just I'm so happy you're here. Ryan Sorrell, plug the handles, my brother. Definitely. People definitely can follow us on our social media platforms, which is just Kansas City Defender on Instagram, on Twitter is KC Defender. Our website is KansasCityDefender.com, which is spelled all the way out, KansasCityDefender.com. If people support the work that we are doing, if people are ignited or motivated or inspired by the work that we're doing in the community, I highly recommend because Again, we are a nonprofit news outlet, and so we only exist because of donations that people make, individual donations and community donations and community support. So if people want to support the work that we are doing, then they can do that through our website. Again, that's KansasCityDefender.com, and there's a button just right on our website where you can become a monthly donor, which we are you know, very appreciative of all the people who do that. And so that's how people can get plugged in with us. And again, I just want to thank you so much again. I hope you have a great rest of your year. I'm looking forward to what you do in 2023 and the work that you continue to uplift and be involved in in 2023 as well. Hey, man, all the places will go. We'll go together, all right? I appreciate you, brother. I love you, man. All right, you too. Base stills in the building, flash the camera. I'ma drop the hammer. Base done changed the hip-hop since then Bobby out the slammer. Hip-hop start on the East Coast and it move west down, down to Bama. I'ma bring it back to New York. Roll those bus and throw your hands up. Pass me a cup with a goose in the club with a juice in the bug getting bent out. Then I'ma slide with a dime to my body and head up to my penthouse. Oh, I'm not trying to take it slow. Working hard, taking dough. Blow your mind like Corker. You could do what you wanna do, but the.
They changing climates and replacing humans in fracking soils, wild Bordeaux and forests. But they can't defeat us, they could not destroy us. Are we dreaming the same dream of money, guns, and gasoline? And nicotine for the average team, CFOs are after cream, GMOs extracting genes with everyone on my TV. Show. Show.